Uh, welcome to John's Mostly Movie Podcast. We're coming in, ready to talk about what we're watching. We got Nick Edwards joining us. Hello. And putting it all together, behind the booth, producer James. Help, let me out of this booth. You stay in that booth and you lick it, James. Okay. We here at John's Mostly Movie Podcast do not endorse kidnapping nor practice it. Everything you're hearing is obviously a joke. Theater of the mind. Where's Becky? Just, you did not hear Nick ask where Becky is because she is completely alive and will be on the podcast shortly just because you haven't heard from her on the podcast for over three months. Still got a long way of statute of limitation. Um, She'll be back. It's going to be great. Or someone that sounds an awful lot like her. You know, it's weird. I While uh, doing research on different technology things for the podcast, I found a company that uh, you can upload audio of yourself speaking, uh, and it can learn your voice so that then you can do text-to-speech and it sounds like you. Uh, and the more audio that you feed it, the better it gets. And we've got... Uh, Maybe a dozen hours of Becky. Uh. Are you insinuating that I independently did research and also came across this technology, invested money, and traded stock options to be able to have a stake in it just so that way I could kill my partner coincidentally when we were talking about the movie Rear Window only to then have her return via AI so that way I wouldn't be caught? You have stock options? Wait, do we get paid? You don't get paid? You're going to have to talk to payroll on that one. And we're going to talk to you all about what we've been watching. All right. Producer James. Mm. As is tradition. Yes. What have you been watching? So, over the course of the last week, my partner and I have watched the first three Mission Impossible movies. She hasn't seen any of them before, and... Wait, really? Yeah. And so I I got to share the sort of evolving franchise that is Mission Impossible. Uh, Yeah, I don't really remember any that don't have Simon Pegg in it. I (laughs) vividly remember those. I have to say tom cruise mission impossible 2 opening scene hiking in the the desert free free rock climbing mm-hmm. um i'm not gonna say that that was the pinnacle of his pop culture because we still have you know top gun cocktail um but that one's uh, f- for a late in the career in the early 2000s that was big not super late in his career. He's, he's had a prolonged career. I, I, I know. When it, it felt weird coming out of my mouth immediately. Yeah, no, he's still making these. Yeah, but the, the, the moment in the movie is really punched up by the Limp Biscuit cover of Mission Impossible. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. And then someone fires a rocket at him that have sunglasses that he puts on mm-hmm. that give him his mission. And then the sunglasses explode which seems really impractical, like 
don't make the explosive a thing that you put on your agent's head. Maybe that's just me. Do you remember who the director was? Uh, so for the second one was John Woo. Yeah. We got doves. We got the doves. We got uh, Tom Cruise diving with a, a pistol in each hand. Uh, it's great. Did you ever see there was a sketch on the MTV Movie Awards with Ben Stiller as Tom Cruise's stunt double in that? Literally a man who legally changed his name to Tom Cruise, C-R-O-O-Z-E, so that they could both be Tom Cruise and, and was wearing a wig and in costumes so as to look very similar they they already look alike like i'm not gonna lie us talking about the second one i i was expecting us to talk a lot more about the first and then like the third to it but like i was expecting to just glance through all of them yeah yeah uh speaking of now that you've seen all three back to back uh, of those three do you have a, a, a preferred one yeah i feel like philip seymour hoffman might be the draw but John Voight, bro. And Emilio. Yeah. I'm I'm torn between the first and third. Okay. Though I think I gotta give it to the third because that became the template that then the series iterated on. That was this the fast is, five of it. Exactly. This <laughs> is the one where we found the formula, now just do this but make the action a bit ramped up and the stunts a bit more dangerous uh, each movie and one day Tom Cruise will die while filming a, a Mission Impossible movie, and it's going to be very sad, but it's going to be a very good movie. He wishes. Also, I feel that a couple things with the third one. One, I think it's, from an action point, it's the first time Ethan Hunt, we actually see the stakes severely raised for him. I think we only saw that in the first one when he was realizing he was being set up for being the mole. Spoiler alert, I mean, we're talking about a movie from the early 90s, so, like, don't at me. But anyway, um, I feel like th- that, all that, especially, like, when John Voight's ex-wife comes in and it's Claire and he's just yelling, her, wake up, Claire, they're dead, they're all dead. Okay, so that was his height, and then it slowly just went downhill from that moment until the opening of Mission Impossible 3, and then it just rants back yeah, up. I like your impression, by the way. You sound just like a... Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I then... was worried we had an intruder on the call. <laughs> How did Tom Cruise get this number? Oh, it's actually a stunt double. Yeah. How did Tom Cruise get this number? <laughs> <laughs> but Billy Cudrup, I love him in that one. I know Philip Seymour Hoffman, absolutely the GOAT, but... I really love like what they do with Billy Cudrup to it. Um, cut up. Cut up? Oh shit. Crud up. Crud up. Crud up. Crud up. Crud up. Perfect. That's how I remember. I really hope I never meet him because I is. Hello, Mister Crud up. What are you doing with your hands? Nothing. Hi. <laughs> nice to meet you. If you have any mnemonic devices you use to remember an actor's name, please shoot us an email at emails at johnsmostlymoviepodcast.com. So John Woo did number two. Who directed number three? J.J. Abrams. Ooh, that's why I changed the franchise right there. Literally after Mission Impossible 2, 
Tom Cruise saw an episode of Alias. <laughs> this is the story awesome. I've heard in an interview of like he he loved Mission Impossible the series back in like was it the 70s I want to say and wanted that vibe and saw Alias and was like he's doing that that's that's what I want. I should just give him and that's how JJ I believe this was JJ Abrams first movie uh directing was because Tom Cruise saw his TV work and was like that, that is the vibe give me more of that and that's what Mission Impossible 3 is very much. It's cool. Lots of gadgets. Yeah. It stands out when you look at it compared to the first one. Just a little more complexity to the story, mm -hmm. the characters into it, but also doesn't sacrifice like you said, like the gadgets espionage like what we love about all that it's a very like interesting pivot on the espionage thriller like it's the action spy movie now uh as opposed to the first one brian de palma was doing like a, a cold war-esque uh noir spy thriller that yeah that was cool and was very believable right up until a helicopter crashed into a bullet train. You tell going, me that's not uh, believable. <laughs> this was Chloe's uh, response to watching it. Was like that was that was a really like tense, serious uh, thriller that re ended with a ridiculous action set piece that I was impressed with, but also. I can see how it gets to where it gets if this was where it started. Like, there was a seed of it in this that eventually grew into the Tom Cruise hanging off the side of an airplane and uh, <laughs> scaling up the tallest building on the planet. Uh, that, that all had its origins in a helicopter driving in a tunnel after a train. It went from faux Hitchcock to doves to lens flare, and mm -hmm. it has never left. It's really uh, the underrated trilogy that's artistically not talked about enough. Also, just a super left-field side note on Mission Impossible 1. Pinnacle for stick of gum as far as items and props in a movie. I'm pretty sure like I haven't come across another movie where like a stick of gum really changes the, the plot point. I like PB's Big Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that it's introduced to him as a new thing in the movie, obviously, and we see him use it in relatively quick succession after the mission, but we're not explicitly told that he has more, but also, yeah, it makes sense. It's gum. It would come in a pack, probably, that he'd have in his pocket that he's put. He wouldn't just keep loose. If you detonate it by folding it, you wouldn't want it just in your pocket to fold and suddenly explode you. Like, Really glad everyone he came across had brushed their teeth. <laughs> or had not eaten onions, because him asks, can I have a piece of gum? Yeah, here. Oh, shit, wait, not that. Gotta no, remember, the grenade gum is in the left pocket. The trident is in the right pocket. The, the classic James Bond conundrum. I'm not familiar. <laughs> oh, you know, exploding pen, regular pen. He's always ah. got the... Is it three clicks or two clicks? Exactly. You gotta, you gotta really figure out which pocket is which when you got gadgets to play regular things. <laughs> Lens flares and uh, gadgets. J.J. Abrams loves it, and he, he does well with anything he touches, in my opinion. Like, except for nine eleven allegories. If fair. And Star Wars. 
Okay, hold the phone. You can. Okay. Oh, are you gonna come at me and? I'm not gonna come. I'm not gonna come. I'm not gonna. I'm not coming at you. I'm just saying, like, we all have to agree that when it came out in that year, that I'm just talking about that year, which was 2016. The Force Awakens was a force in itself. Okay, before we knew. we're shitting on Rise of Skywalker more than anything else. Yes, correct. Force Awakens was fine because it was a remake of Star Wars right. A New Hope, a movie that was already pretty yeah. good on its own. <laughs> that was... And we're not going to touch The Last Jedi. We all have, like, I think all... I... That's a different podcast. Yeah. That's, that's a whole different podcast. What if when Tom jumps off of the bike and when they're both coming at each other, if right before, and this is just something that just flew in my head here, if he turns to camera and goes... This mission, it just got a hell of a lot more impossibler. Boom! Another thing that J.J. Abrams had some hand in, hmm. uh, at least according to the producer credit, uh, before and I think after every episode, was a new Showtime show, a documentary series uh, in four parts, called UFO. Hmm. What are now officially classified as unidentified aerial phenomena by the government. In what we know now, they had some degree of investigatory branch, although after... Oh, that's so interesting. They're changing UFO to UAP? From from the most recent, like, bundle of reports that were released to Congress from, I believe, the Defense Department uh, here a couple months ago that is what precipitated this documentary series to be made, uh, the report specifically relabels the phenomena because ufo has now that's such a connotation in part becomes synonymous with flying saucer and something from space and we don't know what this stuff is we know that we have evidence of something that we don't have an explanation for yet so it's unexplained and Mm. aerial phenomenon makes better sense than flying object if we Sometimes they don't show up on radar, so I don't know if it's an object, and sometimes they just sit there and aren't flying. Well, it sounds like the show got the wrong acronym as the title. I think so, given the fact that literally literally on the show, they use that acronym at some point. They start calling them UAPs and never call attention to the fact like oh we, we named the show the wrong thing but people yeah. know what that one is x-files is the same way because they started out as the u-files for unexplained and so they just keep going through the oh. files and more and more and more until they have to go through the x's what would the i guess z files a sequel series to the x-files that is uh yeah there, there's still more you thought the X-Files were weird. <laughs> Where do you get to the Z-Files? There's been another unsubstantiated UFO sighting in the heartland of America. We've got to get there right away. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, uh, it was an interesting breakdown of the information that was in the report, the particular encounters that were either reported or, or were observed and and. There is film of that I think at this point we've probably all seen uh, on CNN and, and from the New York Times. Interesting things happening that people that professionally like make their their life's work is knowing how to read a radar screen and how to fly a plane and identify stuff in the sky 
are were shaken by it to a, a degree that I hadn't picked up from the interviews that I've seen and the stuff that I've read from all the reporting on it previously. Like seeing how a particular radar operator that they interviewed had a mental breakdown because mm. he experienced something on the job that was life-changing to him that he couldn't wrap his brain around and everyone around him just said don't word that didn't happen don't worry about it that's our job wasn't to somebody came to the ship in a helicopter and picked up all the tapes of what was recorded that day and they flew away and we just don't worry about that and his recounting working in a diner after he'd gotten out of the service and seeing on a TV that was playing some news uh, footage, seeing a coverage of the New York Times piece of someone coming forward and talking about the particular event that he observed, uh, he broke down crying. And even in the interview was like emotional a couple points and, and had to stop and, and take a beat mm. and realizing like, oh, this is an interesting like not only a, a documentary on the phenomena itself and the government's handling of it, but the people whose lives were affected by having seen these things and, and, and having the government respond to it the way they have up to this point. Uh, we'll see if that ends up changing. Um, That's interesting because I just, there's, Go ahead. Uh, just I hadn't really, uh, I mean, it's interesting because majority of the time anything it's like on UFOs, they deal with just the information part, but this sounds like they're also trying to show the uh, emotional toll in a sense that these are actually, like you said, people that encountered this that might not know how to completely process it. And so we kind of disregard that because in our eyes, it's yeah, very much like the X-Files. It's just the government covering this up and the government is, you know, doesn't have any feelings. They are all sociopaths that are just trying to keep our knowledge of aliens away from us. And there's a, an eccentric billionaire that has like defense contracts who is involved in the story. And that's interesting. <laughs> Does the cigarette man show up? Yeah, he's there. Uh, I, just my question is, is it in order to see a UFO, is it required that you must have on you the shittiest cell phone camera and or infrared how is none of that like can i tell you uh an honest thing yes i i am pretty darn sure i have seen a ufo oh my god it's uh, you can't you, it, there's story time coming after this you can't just be like all right i just saw a ufo john what have you been watching no <laughs> you guys seen he-man yeah <laughs> I, I say may, it may have not uh, actually been, but there was, it's going to be a little weird of a setup. Was that a summer camp for diabetic kids? Okay. Uh, this is not as weird kids, as you think, but I'm so glad you're setting it up. The diabetic kids portion is important because uh, it, it was... It sounds like a fat camp. It wasn't. Uh, there were There were kids of all sizes, but... The, the diabetic kid portion of the camp story is important because, like, activity was a thing that was monitored and, by a medical staff. So, like, Fantastic. you had to have a certain amount of activity and a certain, like, couldn't just sit around uh, in the arts and crafts shed all day. You have to 
get up and move because that's good for your body and, and hopefully builds good habits or whatever. Um, but <clears throat> this one evening, I was pretty sure about 15. Uh, this one evening, the cabin that I was in, full of other 15 and 16-year-old boys, was playing nighttime paintball, which Fucking awesome. I... I in I personally, uh, being the the nerdy kid that I was, saw as a good way to get a bunch of bruises and, <laughs> that is and very probably fair. trip and hurt myself. So instead, all of us that opted not to play paintball, the counselor said, "Okay, well, how about there's a there's a baseball diamond just adjacent to the paintball court. So why don't you just sort of like mill around here? Like we're somebody's gonna." We're all college kids, the, the counselors. Somebody has to keep an eye on you. The The rule says we, we have to keep you active for this period of time. So, like, if you just want to walk around the, the baseball diamond, whatever. We're going to go smoke so, pot in the woods. And have, exactly. have you seen some weird tall camp. dude with a mascot? Just, I don't know. I think we just see him when we're stoned. Anyway, just don't eat sugar, but keep walking around. Stay away from the lake. Anyhow, as we're walking around, uh, there, there was a lake nearby this baseball <laughs> diamond. And across the lake was this hill, and, and really like hills that rolled off for a while. And as we're walking, we can see this sort of orange light at this point on the hill. And we start talking and pointing it out. And as a group observe like, oh, yeah, it's maybe probably somebody on a hike on over on that side of the lake. Like I know that other cabins are doing other activities tonight. And as we went around the, the baseball diamond, every time we came back around, we would point to it and observe, yeah, it's, it's still there. It's still, it's not really flickering. It's sort of like an orange light. And after three or four turns around the baseball diamond, we noticed that it was slightly higher than it was before. And then one time around, it went from orange to like a, a blue and sort of sat in one place on the horizon as a blue dot. And then as we kept walking around, observed it kind of slowly raising into the sky and slowly shifting from blue to green. And then when it was green and very clearly like not on the hill, it is up in, in the sky, while we watched it, it just zipped up. Like, went from very slow progression over the course of half an hour to it just is away. Classic weather balloon. <laughs> Probably. And you've sat on this information and held up? No, no, I'm... An, I'm... I'm on Spooky Mulder's side. Someone over here, you know, doesn't want to believe. I'm all for it. There's always an explanation, Mulder. I want to believe. It is, it is pretty cool, though. Thank you for sharing that story. And so concludes our tale. I'm Leonard Nimoy. Good night, and keep watching the skis. Uh, skies. What have, uh, Nick, what have you been, uh, what content have you been consuming? Uh, I like to turn a phrase there. Yeah. Uh, 
sort of ruins my own segue here. Oh, sorry. Okay, we'll, we'll go back. We'll go back. What was your segue? Yeah. I, I, you yeah, Do you want me to just ask you what you've been watching? No, no. That was a joke. We're good. Oh, well, well fuck me. Well, here we go. Now we got to yeah. leave it in. Okay, Nick, yeah. now you talk. Yeah. I, uh, well, so, <laughs> everybody won't stop talking about Ted Lasso. So, I, I, I buckled down and watched first season. Uh, <gasps> good. We, yeah, we can talk about that later because right now it's I've also been watching what if is like as soon as they become available, like two in the morning here. What day uh, is that? Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And they're they're great. This one's finally one where there was a, a misstep because the first two, I think, were inspiring to quite a high degree in terms of the alternate universe mm -hmm. they're presenting and this one the more i think about it because this one's a murder mystery and the more i think about it the more i'm confused mm. about motivations and uh how well there's there's i've got a lot i i would uh, i'll watch hold. it I'll, I'll hold you're holding for me i appreciate it i i will say while the resolution of the episode may require some deliberation for us mm. to come yeah. to some sort of peace about, I am very interested to see more stories take place in this universe. I think that is the point of this What If series, is setting up things Every that they can come back to. Every single one I, I want to see more of, mm -hmm. which is uh, an excellent excellent piece of work there so since uh, i'm holding off on on spoilers because it literally came out just now <laughs> and uh, I, i'm not gonna spoil that I, I will say that uh i have a little bit extra time at work right now so i get to read a little bit and i reread my copy of identity crisis ah from i see the murder mystery so this is a dc comic so superman and batman are running around in it but the point of view characters are Elongated Man, Green Arrow, The Atom, folks that don't usually get that kind of screen time. And it is about loss and about grieving and about keeping the ones you love close when there's, when you're scared and really want them to be around. And it's a very well done story. It didn't, I read it when it came out and I was like, what, I don't know, 18. And it was, I didn't like it as much as I did then because some of the stuff like the, the rape is pretty shock value-y and it's, it informs the story and it's all over the place because it introduces the rape and the mind wiping and there's, there's a lot going on. I still really enjoyed it. And it's written by a mystery writer named Brad Meltzer. And my particular copy, I actually got signed by him. Nice. Okay, so he was at Book People. But the thing with Brad Meltzer is that, okay, back at the time, I had a, a MySpace. <laughs> you, you, Most of us. You, you might have heard, heard, heard of the, I've, the I've heard I've heard of this thing before. Yeah, I, yeah it, it's, it's you know, a post-live journal, but pre-Facebook. And so... Taught us all web design. And so me and my buddy Kendrick, we made up fake MySpaces for the characters of Superman and Batman. 
So I was running a Superman page and he was running a Batman page. And like our top eight friends or whatever were other Justice League members. And we'd, we'd write in stuff in the like favorite food and, and like guilty pleasure. And Superman's like milk and cookies. You know, I, I try to make it as <laughs> as friendly, boy scouty, good old boy that I, I could with Superman. <laughs> And, and and Kendrick made a really dark Batman that was uh, like uh, favorite music, and it's like the sound of my enemy's bones as they crunch when I break them. <laughs> yeah, and and so and so we would like make fake feuds with each other on MySpace and posting different images like of Batman and Superman, and we we shit talk each other this is very ahead of the game by the way <laughs> yeah and so the thing is there were i don't know quote unquote verified celebrities on myspace and fucking brad Meltzer, <laughs> like friend requested us and he was like this is this is great this everything you guys are doing is fucking amazing and i realize now that we were using actual images from like not his story but like the story right after his that his fed into so like he actually had a reason to be looking for shit that he's related to in the DC universe that I didn't, it just occurred to me, but it just felt really random. But he was like, Oh, Hey, so my Batman, my space, you're fucking badass." And when I met him, I was like, Hey, you know, I run this fucking Superman in my space. And you said you loved, it. and he's like, all right. And so he dedicated the, the, the book to my favorite Superman. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so so reading rereading the book, that was my favorite part, just reading that dedication again. Superman tonight at 6:30. Only to Bobby. I haven't finished Identity Crisis. I started it. I remember specifically though in the opening when the all the superheroes are getting called because of something happened and it's I want to say it's Nightwing goes down. It's either Nightwing or Robin. Um, I can't re- remember what at what point. Can you? I will correct you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Nightwing on this one. But when he goes down, he runs, I want to say, into his father. And his father's just watching the TV. And it's, This is Robin. It's Robin. Okay, so it's Robin. And it's like the equivalent of doom scrolling then, with, except with the TV. And he literally asks Robin to stay. Like, don't go out. For the sole purpose that, like, Yes, Robin is Robin, but he still sees him as that's my son, and he doesn't want him hurt. And it is such an like an interesting dynamic that I wish would make it into a movie of some sort because it's such a human moment where Robin the you can thing. see is it, it hurts him because he couldn't be, he can be out there and make a difference because he is different than compared to others. But at the same time, that relationship like there's yeah, the whole book was very cinematic and every single bit of it could be filmed and the relationship with Tim Drake Robin and his father uh, is one of the best parts because he's like hey Robin don't go out and he's like okay dad and they have a really great night the next night he's like hey Robin don't go out he's like look someone's gonna find this guy and I'm a Robin I gotta go do this and so he leaves and then like immediately after he left he his dad gets attacked and so the dad calls the like the special Justice League communicator. He's like, "Hey, get Robin and send him back home to me, please." And like, he's connecting to Robin and Batman in the Batmobile, and Robin's pleadingly looking at Batman, 
please help my dad. And they get there two seconds after he was already dead. Damn. And, and just... He's crying over his... Or his dad got killed by Captain Boomerang. And he's enveloped in, in Batman's cloak as he's hugging him. Mm. And, it's, and we see Tim Drake's eye in the center of it because they're now both orphans. And the perpetuating cycle of what Batman's shadow is is now enveloped Robin too. Ah. Don't get to be in the Bat family and have a not Bat family. What director gets to take that beautiful image and completely ruin it for us when they make the movie adaptation? Wes Anderson, probably. Michael Bay. No, there's one name that that comes to mind. I'm not going to say it. We don't say that name on this podcast right now. Well, Zack Snyder already had a chance. <laughs> you son of a bitch. He, he that's exactly and who. he blew it out of the park. Best director of all time. Dear Blade. You will. Funny, taking your DC and, like, content and stuff. Because I'm, I'm kind of like Nick as far as, like, what I've been watching this week. It wasn't a whole lot. As far as, like, viewing, I think the only thing that appeared on my television screen outside of the latest episode of Ted Lasso um, was Broad City. Got to watch some Broad City, just some, like, random episodes, watching with a friend. Forgot how fucking hilarious that show is. Um, now, mind you, I was watching it stoned for the first time in, stoned for the first time in, like, over two weeks. So I had, like, a little bit of a break and... If you've never taken a break from smoking weed every day, then you might not understand this. But if you have, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, my God. And I rewatched the episode, though, just to make sure it was as funny that it wasn't just like my judgment was completely being influenced. It it definitely is. It's the episode where um, Abby fucks their hot next door neighbor who also in the process of them kind of getting like, I think making out, she asks if he wants to switch more indicating that if he wants to switch positions, he thinks though having a full on switch and bust out his strap on and his custom made, I forget what he calls it, but it's like a custom, like specific custom made dildo. And that comes into play later because after the morning, after Abby trying to be nice, dishwashes the dildo ends up melting the shit out of it. She panics, tries to take it to a sex shop to try to get the same one, spends what she thinks is a good, large amount of money on it. And he's like, what? No, mine's like custom made. It's made out of this material. That's just plastic. And it's brilliant in its delivery and everything about it. And I forgot how funny that show is. But also a good uh, public service announcement. Don't dishwasher your sex toys don't dishwash your sex toys or read the direction on your sex toys as with anything else that goes in your dishwasher make sure you know it can go in there yeah make sure it's dishwasher safe we have a cocktail shaker that i remember uh is not dishwasher safe specifically because it had a one star review and one of those (laughs) one star reviews was my son put it in the dishwasher and it melted one star one star. One like, star for your son as well. Well, that was that star? was that the shaker's fault? Yeah. I think you need to be leaving a bad review about your son. 
Yeah, I, I uh, one star Jason. How about that? Yep. Yeah, you know what? I live in Texas, right? All this weed talk and dildo talk. I, I could be arrested just for a cop listening to this. <laughs> it's fair. I'm, I'm sorry to put you at risk. It's a good thing I go by an alias on this podcast. Yeah. I jumped back in to playing Fortnite, and I realized a couple things. One, Fortnite might have some of the best advertisement around right now as far as topical things because on Fortnite, when you're playing, you run into like an advertisement and it's like a mission for Free Guy, which if you do not know, Free Guy starring Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds, not Ryan, yeah, whatever I said, talks about an NPC character in a video game. If you don't know what that means, it's a non-playable character. Typically, those are the ones that you are just interacting with, talking to about missions, or if you're in Fallout, shooting their head off before you, after you saved it, so you can just go back and reload. But ran across that, and I was like, my God. Also ran across, because we played together, uh, Rick Sanchez and Superman. and Yeah, so Rick Sanchez is popping up. There's also a little Mecha Morty. Um, but I forgot how topical and just I hate Fortnite for how good their like design is for their like stuff you can buy, all the skins and all that. It's it's stupidly addicting how easily I just want to spend money just to get something that makes no competitive advantage, but absolutely makes me feel like I'm just playing a different game because I'm playing with that specific character. Damn you, They're- Epic. Their advertising and presence in other properties is so strong and weird. Because uh, in Endgame, Thor and his buddies are playing Fortnite. And that's how many years after the snap? Five. Five. So we still have. I mean, Fortnite's not going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> at, at least not until after 2024. Yeah, and, and I got snapped, so I'll, I'll be back then. Talk about it. Yeah, uh, but also in Fortnite, they had an event because, like, they they have like concerts where you, everyone can log in and, and listen to Marshmallow do a bit or whatever. They had an event like that where everybody logs in, and when you played the game, Emperor Palpatine talked to you. My God. This is before Rise of Skywalker. In this opening crawl of that movie, they're like, hey, did you guys hear this Emperor Palpatine shit that you could have only listened to while playing Fortnite? When I sat down to watch Rise of Skywalker, I knew that there was a Fortnite event in which the Emperor made some sort of declaration and assumed that that was just like its own promotional thing. And then legit, the opening crawl of episode nine refers to an event that happened in Fortnite. I hate Rise of Skywalker even more now. Fortnite is a weird... That is bonkers. Everything is... is Everything that they can license is in it. Like, real people are in it because they have uh, some sort of association with a football league. And so, like, football players who are actual just, like, people with names and likenesses, you can you can play as if you uh, enjoy LeBron James showed up from Space also, Jam. Ariana Grande. Oh, my God. That's right. I remember reading. Um, 
Also, if, if you're listening to this part and you're wondering, wait, dude, they're talking about Fortnite, a video game. I thought this had movie in the title. It also has mostly. Off our back. Anyway. Also, there are a lot of characters that have been in movies There's uh, a lot. in Fortnite. The Joker. The, the Joker's in it. Uh, Wonder Woman's in it. Uh, LeBron James. LeBron James. Rick uh, Sanchez. Sorry. Batman. He hasn't had a movie yet. 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 Uh, I I have a pitch. I know we've we've talked about it the last couple recordings. Uh, that at some point, apparently, some sort of interaction on Twitter resulted in uh, Justin Roiland being asked what he thought of uh, Zack Snyder directing a Rick and Morty movie, and we've been sort of joking about what that would even look like, and. I also have gotten into Fortnite recently, in the last couple of weeks, and uh, have been have been logging some hours and got myself uh, Rick Sanchez as a skin that's unlocked. So now my own headcanon is that this is Rick Sanchez teleporting into a a game where other people from other universes have been pulled. Uh, I'm sure that's probably the actual like uh <laughs> the lore the of fortnite Probably. i have no idea because yeah. i just started i i played when it was new and realized that i was bad at it and now there are so many people playing it and so many kids playing it they're like i've had firefights where i'm reloading my assault rifle and somebody's just standing 20 feet in front of me pistol bullets just whizzing over my shoulders uh it's it's not it's not as bad as I remember. There are definitely also people that are running around in like the the end end level uh, costumes that just when you see them, it's too late. They already have put their plan <laughs> into action. If you see, literally, this happened on a match uh, last night. If you see the guy in front of you, it's too late because there's already a guy beside you and he's already got something on its way to you. And and if you're noticing the the red popping up on one side of your screen indicating where you're getting shot from well you're you're probably already gone you should you should just should probably pack it up so we're about to have a pitch party yes pitch party i'm sorry i got i got off on a a Fortnite tangent right that was good you're good i mean i mean it's it's an intense game that can get the blood going so i completely understand all right so this is john's mostly movie podcast pitch party this is the first pitch party hooray uh me and nick are going to have some fake million dollar bucks Looks like we're the producers behind the desk, and James is coming in. Oh, this is going to cost much more than a million dollars. Let's see how much you can, uh, let's, let's see. Um, if you were about to say the word Zack Snyder, then I'm, I'm going to have to go to the bank first. So, so thinking through uh, what Zack Snyder's Rick and Morty would look like, and having played Fortnite for the, the last couple days at least of having this uh, Rick Sanchez skin unlocked, uh, and again, thinking through, well, now this, to me, this is just a, a Rick and Morty game, and, and this is Rick running around doing these things. And I thought, I know Rick and Morty showed up in Space Jam, but what if that logic of, hey, we have a bunch of properties, applied to Rick and Morty, except they're not in a computer simulation, they're they're just going to the universe that that character is from and plucking them or to our universe and taking actual people along for the ride so that you can have not LeBron James, but someone uh, 
in the Space Jam vein of a person from presumably our world or actually our world. Uh, if you're going to go like full on fourth wall breaking Deadpool style. Uh, but some sort of heist that Rick needs to put together a team uh, that requires... He's got a portal gun to go to dimensions. There are infinite dimensions. There's logic dictates. There's a dimension where he can go be mean to Superman uh, and presumably say some very snide things. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not writing the script. I'm just uh, coming up with a big picture. You said heist. You son of a bitch. I'm in. Um, actually, you can have my money. I just have one request on casting. Mm. This is live action, right? Presumably. Okay. Uh, if not, then we're going to be putting live action uh, human characters in with the animated. If that's the way we go. <laughs> it, it, I'm, I'm not opposed to that. Maybe. That's that actually the route might you be go. Cool. I was about to say, if that's the route you go, I really <laughs> like that idea. And you can have my money. Just two if you decide to go live action. I, that really, honestly, that's the way to go, though. That way, if you're going to include humans, you have to keep just Rick and Morty the same. So that way, Justin Rowland can keep the voice. But if you had to go live action for Rick Sanchez, Jim Carrey. And I understand how 90s that can feel. But if there's someone who I'm thinking age-wise is getting to that age, um that could bring that type of animated but also like cynicism personality but still have the because we obviously have to have a touching moment with uh rick sanchez in this movie there's got to be one that i don't brings think it, it in. would work for snyder's vision but it is a good call in general okay, okay. have either of you uh seen um oh rats i'm sorry i had a thing and i just lost it his uh, Thing well, now I know what, 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 what have we just seen? Sonic the Hedgehog? Yes, Sonic. Did I, thinking of that being like an animated villain, uh, a villainous character, I know Rick isn't a villain, more of an anti-hero, but still like, mm-hmm. that's sort of like chaotic energy maybe. I, I haven't seen Sonic, so I don't know. Uh, I understand that he is maybe the, the best part of that movie for the ten minutes that he's in it. So here too, in, in fact, uh, the the fact that he's uh, traditionally a, a fat character being played by Thin Carey uh, is sort of the main detractor for me if I've ever watched it. Makes sense. Well, I think Snyder would choose like Stephen Lang, the bad guy from Avatar, to play <laughs> Rick Sanchez. Uh, he's so ripped, though. He's so ripped. Ooh, ooh, dream casting. Clint Eastwood. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I would. Oh man, uh, can I get Justin Long as his Morty then? I mean, yeah. Morty's a uh, Morty's now forty <laughs> years old. Look, if you have ninety-year-old Rick Sanchez, I think that's okay with Clint. Oh my God! Wait, it's a sequel to the series that takes place twenty years later. Morty's an adult. <laughs> Rick is an even older, more grizzled old man. Still can't find, yeah, still can't that reverse. That is definitely Snyder's vision. Yeah, that's, that's yep. his, uh, can't, can't just do Batman. Has to be old, grizzled Batman who's already lost a Robin. Who directed Logan? Was that James Mangold again? 
might have been James Mangold. I say we just have him waiting in the wings in case we need to fire Snyder, because that typically comes up when he gets on board a movie. It's it's a good call, uh, given. I mean, hopefully, hopefully Justice League was a a one-time thing, but I do like uh, James Mangold as a, a backup. All right, that's going to do it for today at John's Mostly Movie Podcast. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Please leave us a review and rate us. Let us know how we're doing. If you could also, please share it out to your friends. If you have any comments, any concerns, you can send us an email at emails at johnsmostlymoviepodcast.com. Or if you want to use your voice, you can call in and leave a voicemail at 8168mostly. That's 816-866-7859. Once again, 8168mostly. Thanks again for listening. Cool. Got it. All right, let me end that. We have opposable thumbs. Use them to read directions. You read with your thumbs?